Hey, we put this episode together before the 94th Academy Awards were announced. Big news, we produced a live-action short with the actor Riz Ahmed, and we won. And the Oscar goes to The Long Goodbye. The short is called The Long Goodbye, and you can watch it right now on WePresent.com. And now, for the first episode of Influence this season that features the Oscar winner, Riz Ahmed. Again, our conversation took place right before the Academy Awards. The actor Riz Ahmed has two films up for Oscars this year. The first is Flea. Flea is a documentary about a gay man thinking back to when he was a boy fleeing Afghanistan. It's animated with archival footage. It's a Danish film originally, but Riz voiced the main character in the English version. He's also an executive producer. It's up for Best Documentary, Best Animated Feature, and Best International Feature. The second of Riz's projects is The Long Goodbye, and it's produced with WeTransfer. And this bit requires a little more explanation. So from the very beginning, one of the goals of WeTransfer is to support and highlight and fund creative projects or artists by giving them advertising inventory. 30% of it we dedicated to supporting artists. And as we grew in size and grew in revenue, we started to fund more projects as well as just supporting them with media. We've done that for a number of years and we did it right up until 2018 when we launched We Present. And it became a little bit more professional and we hired a team to run We Present as its own entity. Over the years, we've supported projects with Licky Lee, Bjork, Mr. Wash, uh, Marina Abramovich, an incredible roster of artists. So in 2019, Holly Fraser, who runs We Present, got an email from Caroline Reason, who's Riz's manager, saying that they had a film that they wanted to do that was really important to Riz. They needed some money and media, and they were basically going to shoot it really quickly over a weekend and had everything pretty much lined up. It was Riz Ahmed. Of course, the answer was yes. And that project was The Long Goodbye. It's nominated for an Academy Award for Best Live Action Short. The Long Goodbye takes place in 2019 at the height of Brexit and Trump. It's not even 12 minutes, but it's a film in three parts. And the first is an everyday portrait of a Muslim family with squabbles and rearranged furniture preparing for a wedding. We're not exercising, we're dancing, we're not doing sport. We're not doing jumping jacks. Get the tape. All right, come, we're going to put this up. The second is what Riz calls a horror musical, which takes place as the family from the first scene is violently pulled from their home because they're Muslim. They're rounding people up, man. It's happening. It's happening now. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And the third is a direct address. Did they ask you where you're from? Where are you really from? The questions seem simple, but the answer's kind of long. Riz looks straight at the camera. I'll make my own place in this business of Britishness. Your question is just limiting. It's based on appearances. Stop trying to make a box for us. He's talking to me and you. It's a warning, a depiction of what has happened and what could. And it's the creative result of Riz realizing the best stories are ones that are personal, ones that combine these various parts of him. We all as humans exist between genres. We're all hybrid. I want to create a space where people don't have to leave any of themselves at the door. 
And he's doing it. With this film, but also with an ambitious, multi-pronged initiative to improve roles and opportunities for Muslims in film. I'm Damien Bradfield, and this is Influence, a podcast by WeTransfer. Influence is a show about influence, who has it, who wants it, and how to use it for good. Riz Ahmed has acted in everything from Girls to Rogue One to The Night Of. He was nominated for Best Actor for his role in The Sound of Metal, the first Muslim actor to be nominated in that category. Riz also founded the production company Left Handed Films, which produces work intentionally outside the bounds of what's expected, focusing on surprising stories told in a new way. And in 2021, Riz launched an ambitious initiative to improve Muslim representation on screen. It included a survey of how often Muslims appeared in films and in what roles. He helped produce a blueprint for Muslim inclusion and is supporting the next generation of Muslim actors through a grant program called the Pillars Artist Fellowship. Riz, it's great to have you here. Thank you. So this weekend is quite a big weekend because you're up for two projects that are up for awards. Your feature-length animated documentary, Flea, which I loved. Thank you. And The Longer Bye. Pretty amazing film. Pretty heavy film. I do have to give everyone a health warning before they watch it. <laughs> but an amazing film. It feels amazing to have these two projects nominated for Oscars. I mean, you're not sure if anyone's going to see projects like this. They are broaching topics that you don't frequently see in film. On top of that, both Flea and The Longer Bye are trying to play with form, trying to play with genre. So it's not just the subject matter that's kind of confronting, but it's the way the stories are being told is, is let's say, unusual. You know, I'd like to say it's creative, it's innovative. Yeah. Both of them have resonated so much with audiences and been recognized like this because they're just honest. I think a lot of the time we get caught up in, oh, is this uplifting? Is this not? Is this funny? Is this the right pace? If it's honest, if it's really coming from an honest place within the filmmaker, within the artist, it's going to connect to people. And that's what both these films are. And I guess I should just qualify your health warning by saying, although both these films have got, you know, they can be confronting, they have joy in them. Right. They have laughter in them. They have a sense of defiance and hope built into them. Because I think even when you tell a hard-hitting story, just telling the story itself is a hopeful act. It's an act of sharing and of trying to create empathy. And to your point, what you've achieved with The Long Goodbye is to tell three different stories. It feels like we're just observing something that's happening in normal life and then suddenly it breaks into something else. And it's a real feat. I'm very proud that, that we have played a little role and helped support it because I think everyone I've shown it to is blown away and understands. And I think not everyone is also aware of the pressure that is still there, but it was like 2019, right? It was pretty intense in the UK. Political heat was building. So I think it was a super important story at the time and still is today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. But how does it feel to have something so personal up for an award? It really feels like a very personal story. You know, I, th- I feel like that's the way it always is. If Rogue One was up for an Oscar, would it feel the same? Um, no, it wouldn't. That's a different kind of animal. I guess what I mean is like what I'm learning more and more is stuff that cuts through and connects with people, at least in my experience, is the personal stuff. 
And it's counterintuitive at times because you think it's an external thing. So you have to meet the world where they are. What's going on out there? What's, what are people into? And actually doing that always falls flat on its face. It might not be true for other people, but I always find that actually the harder question to ask creatively is what's going on in here? What am I really feeling? What am I going through? You know, and when you do that, when you connect to something honest, that is what cuts through the noise because that's what people relate to. They don't mind or relate to your experience, but they'll relate to honesty. People recognize honesty and authenticity. They recognize the feeling, you know, it vibrates off a screen or in your headphones, even if you're not in the room with a person of someone being vulnerable, someone putting themselves out there. And as humans, we're like, you know, we're social animals. When someone's doing that, it's like an alarm bell goes off in your heart, you know, and it opens up in a different way. That's actually the question you got to ask. And, you know, that's a, that's a difficult question to ask for all kinds of reasons. Firstly, because we are programmed to think that we're weirdos and no one can relate to us and who cares about what's going on in our own heads. But secondly, I think it's a hard question to ask what's going on in your own head, your own heart, is, is because we spend most of our time trying to run away from that. <laughs> that's most of the reason why most of us I'm making work a lot of the time is to not have to sit with those feelings. That's the whole point of your workaholism is not to look at those difficult emotions. Why would you turn that work ethic onto digging up those emotions? You know? You're in quite a unique position and obviously you've created this position. So I'm not implying that you've been gifted it, but I think you're in a unique position because you are a creator on multiple levels that can touch music and can touch film and can touch writing and can touch comedy. And you have that ability, I think, not many others have. In my opinion, you seem to have always done it. That's so kind of you to say, man. Isn't it interesting the way, like, <laughs> yeah, I might be viewed from the outside. It's like <laughs> how it actually feels from the inside. And it's like from the inside, you're just scrambling at any, um, any door that isn't closed in your face right now to try and just like get this thing out. But you just feel like you're going to get out. And then, all right, now that door's closed. I'm going to scramble <laughs> to the other doorway. See if we can. But no one's slamming doors in your face today. No, but that if, you know, it's funny you should say that because actually that is exactly what all of my like dabbling in different outlets has kind of come from is from doors being closed. It, it really is. It really is. And, you know, sometimes the doors were closed for good reason. You know, sometimes it's like, actually, dude, you were not a good enough rapper at that point. Or actually it was like, you know, you, know, you weren't ready to get that audition. And sometimes the doors were closed for other reasons. Actually, we're not going to play content like that on the air in my first rap track post 9-11 blues post 9-11 i've been getting paid playing terrorists on telly getting songs made but will it get airplay geezer if bbc don't want it i'll send it to al jazeera yeah. everybody do the post 9-11 was banned from radio from unofficially and and that was a closed door then they opened up a different kind of door which is right i'm not getting radio play but then Film director Chris Morris heard that song. Is that how the film Four Lions came about? Yeah, 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 it did. I mean, that whole story of that, like, kind of first few years, really, of my career is exactly what I'm talking about. It's a series of events where you try and do A, A kind of, like, slam the door in your face. So you do B, you go down that route for a bit, then B closes up, but then A goes, A, hey, so you do B, come back to A. 
and you just kind of leapfrog in between them. So my first film was uh, The Road to Guantanamo with Michael Winterbottom. Where are you from? From Pakistan. Don't lie to me, Shafiq. Where are you from? I live in England, but I came from Pakistan. And um, ah, it was in 2005. Okay. And at the time, you got to understand, 2005, 7-7 bombings just happened. There wasn't a lot out there in our media landscape. We are in the thick of the Iraq war, the Afghan invasion. That was kind of really questioning the official narrative. Like the people in Guantanamo are all bad guys. This is a just war. And so this was like really one of the kind of first major bits of film and TV that was saying, actually, let's look at the flip. Let's look at the other point of view. And it follows the story of three British Muslim friends who were detained and tortured in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, you know, illegally for many years. And so I got that role. I left drama school early to take it. It's this wild ride, you know, riding a creaky bus 80 miles an hour, almost off the edge of the Khyber Pass, driving up to the Afghan border with Pakistan in the middle of basically the war still taking place. Pakistani authorities going, you go there at your own risk. And we're just all like 20 year olds. Yeah. That was my drama school as well. My only drama school training was Shakespeare. I just did a Shakespeare course. This was a totally fully improvised Afghan road trip with a group of non-actors who were all just stoned the whole time. I'm just with a bunch of like college kids. I've just come out of like Shakespeare drama school ready to do my, you know, Hamlet. These guys are like, yo, pass the blunt. And Michael Winterbottom was like, well, you should all be friends. So you should all just do what you want. And we're all just stoned, being filmed, got bad stomachs, throwing up in buckets. Anyway, did go to Guantanamo. It won an award at Berlin Film Festival. We fly back from Berlin Film Festival. British intelligence officers, you know, MI5 officers basically bully us, take us into an unmarked room illegally harass us, detain us, put us in arm locks, threaten to break my wrist, snatch my phone out of my hand. Why? Based on what? Oh, they were just, yeah, just like straight up, like racist, you know, institutional harassment. Oh, wow, okay. They didn't like that we made this film, it won an award. Did you become another actor to further the Muslim struggle? Um, what did you think of the Iraq war? It was crazy stuff. Like, what is going on? And we make it out of there. And all these human rights lawyers are like, you should do a press conference in the House of Commons. And I said, man, the first time I am on TV, my mom sees me on TV, I'm not going to be another Muslim victim. That stuff's important, though. We've got to get that story out there. Look at this crazy irony. We've done a film about Muslims being illegally detained. And on the way back from the premiere, the Muslims in the film are illegally detained. This is in Luton Airport by British intelligence officers you know, after we've won a Berlin Film Festival. So they are, how can I get the story out there in the press? I want to do a rap song about it. Also, this time I've just done a film. Oh, don't I'm have a film career? Nah, mate, there's no roles for you. You can play terrorist number seven. You can play terrorist number two. Like, and I can't go back to that after telling that side of the story. Yeah. I've been bullied by spies and there's no work for me. But I've got this, this thorn in my side from this experience. And so... I make a rap song, the post 9-11 blues. Great. It goes viral on MySpace. Shows you how old I am. Everywhere, radio DJs hit me up. We love it, but we've been told not to play it. I don't know. I've just had some experience leaking a story to the press, right? I call up The Guardian. I go, listen, this is what DJs are saying. They call up BBC. Some people talk to them off the record. Suddenly it's on Channel 4 News. It's like a whole story. There's all that. There's a news story. And it gets a couple of radio plays. 
but it's kind of like a joke rap track. Luton's already moving, Bradford's already gone. We're all suspects, so literally be watching your back. I farted and got arrested for a chemical attack. Drop some litter on the street. It's like, no one really wants to sign me, it's a novelty thing. What do you do with Muslim rap? Like, that political rap, like, it's, you know, it's a news story. It's not a music story. All right, okay, cool. What year are we in now? This is 2006. I decided to make a music video. I make a music video on this amazing director, Aaron Creevy, and Matt Whitecross, who co-directed Road to Guantanamo. Best deal I've ever had. They paid me to direct my music video. They paid me 300 quid. They said, want to get a show reel together. We do this crazy music video, Post Nine Never Blues. You can still see it online. Look about 12 years old. We do this music video on the streets of like Northwest London with all my friends and family. Chris Morris sees it. I didn't even know who he was. Work out later. He's the legendary Kaiser Soze, Orson Welles, whatever you want to say, of British comedy. And he, he goes, I'm making a satire about the war on terror. And we just become friends. And I spend the next three and a half years talking to him about it, introducing him to my friends and acquaintances up north who become his researchers and, and just, you know, bouncing off him. And then turns out that the guy who shot the post and I lose music videos making his own film, Shifty. And he wants to put me in it. And so this weird thing where like, Getting stopped by MI5 led to me making a song in this video that led to me being in Four Lions and Shifty, which really is a thing that created work. So it is a kind of like, I've just got something in me I've got to get out. And if I can't get it out to route A, I'll do it to route B. Now I'm in a place, thank God, that I'm going to get it out through all of them at the same time. And that's what the long goodbye is, man. The long goodbye is me doing acting, doing rap and music and spoken word and poetry with a director I love making a film. It's funny the way that, you know, necessity brings forth creativity at times. In the projects you're doing yourself, do you want to combine music and film or other interests into the same package? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I, I feel like more and more I want to do projects for myself. Right rather than for other people. The older you get, the more you realize how time is finite. You know, those things that you've always wanted to say, you haven't said, say them now, man. Tomorrow's not promised. I'm of that opinion, you know, to try and do stuff myself and say stuff that feels personal to me. It just so happens that something that is very personal to me is music. One of my native languages to express myself since I was a kid, just feeling you know, all these confusing feelings of getting into a lot of trouble and, you know, just a lot of angst and a lot of different pressures that we all feel. Music became my therapy. So the more I want to do stuff for myself, the more I want to do personal stuff, the more it just so happens that there'll probably be more of a musical element in it. And that's actually kind of not planned. It's just kind of in there now. Of course, I think that you're right. The irony is that the vast majority of people who watch Star Wars will not be aware of the fact that I make music. So I knew you from a musical point of view. And then somebody the other day said to me, Riz from the Bourne films. And I was like, but did he do them fucking out as well? <laughs> what, what hasn't he been in? And there, so there seems to be this genre of, or these groups that know you from like the, the big Hollywood movies. My experience was from the music space. And then there's this cult audience in the UK that know you from Four Lions, I think. That's something that I really grew up having these different sides of myself. 
you know, there's one version of you at home, there's one version of you outside of the house. I think a lot of people have that, you know, that code switching. Some people, it's more exaggerated than others because of the different languages or cultural values. Right. In a way, what you're saying is, is like that. It's like I kind of realized I've just like probably recreated this same dynamic in my adult life of like, no, 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 I'm this to this group of people, but I'm like this to this group of people. And yeah. I think that's just a way of operating that came very naturally to me. Part of what I want to do now going forwards and what the long goodbye represents, what Mogul Mowgli represents as a film as well, is this idea of trying to bring it all together, you know, develop a coherent sense of self rather than wearing many masks to be many things to many people. It's like taking the mask off, letting it all out, bring it all together into one version of who you are, which can be scary, actually. You know, if you're used to kind of code switching, people pleasing in one way to like fit into this social circle or that social circle, you know, speaking Urdu at home, wearing shalwar kameez, praying five times a day to like, you know, being out the house with the boys and that being a different thing than suddenly wearing a school uniform with a house tie that's named after the guy who colonized South Asia at a posh private school that you bus two hour and a half away. You're playing different roles, different characters, wearing different masks every day. And I think unbeknownst to me, I kind of maintain this dynamic. And I'm like, this part of me separate, that part of me separate. And now I hope I just want, I want to bring that all together and be free of that, I think. Your parents, I think, probably should take credit for this, right? Because they've obviously given you that confidence. Yeah, I credit everything to my parents. I think my mom instilled a real kind of fighting mentality in us for better and maybe some ways for worse. My dad was away a lot growing up. So she was kind of on her own with the three kids and she had a disabled sister and there was a lot going. So she's just like a fighter, doesn't back down. Like the whole, hey, I want to be an actor. Go ahead, son. Nah, that did not happen like that. Because that's just such a crazy risk. I mean, statistically, that's like, what, what kind of return investments and that is that? Like, we came to this country. Well, I think I imagine that's what she's thinking on some level. Like, what? I wiped your butt for how many years for what? <laughs> but, but confidence is funny, isn't it? It's like you can give someone confidence. You can't control what they do with it. Was there a moment where you realized that you had permission and you could bring all these things together? Or is it something you're still going through right now? I think I'm still going through it. Yeah, it goes back to that code switching thing. I think survival and success on some, to some extent was premised on hiding a part of yourself in any room you enter. Your hood side when you're in the posh circle, your brown side when you're in the white place, your white side when you're in the brown place, your rap side when you're in the addition, your Shakespeare side when you're on stage, you know. That is what it was. So I think to some level, I'm still trying to actively tell myself, hey, it's okay, you can you can let yourself do that. And it's interesting because I think for some people, they don't have that, you know, and that's a gift and a curse. For some people, it's like, no, I know how to be one way. This is me. And those are some of the most amazing, unapologetic artists that I just love. And then acting or in music, that just hasn't been my experience. Mine's been like more circuitous and having to be different people and that's been really enriching but the hardest thing for me to be is me in a weird way is to ask myself who that is when no one's watching you know so you are in a position now to be able to open up those doors for others and that's what you're doing with left-handed films yeah very much so i want to try and create a space where people don't have to hide any of themselves 
who are allowed to make complicated work, complex work, juicy work that doesn't fit neatly into one box. I had to fit into different boxes my whole life, right? I'm just learning now, make my own box or break them down. And I want to create a space from scratch where new artists, unestablished artists can come and say, yeah, this doesn't neatly fit into documentary or animation, but here's this film. Or this doesn't fit neatly into like, musical or like social horror film but here's this film you know longer by we all as humans exist between genres we're all hybrid you're the ceo and you're the the creative i want to create a space where people don't have to leave any of themselves at the door that's what we're trying to do with left-handed films and i feel lucky and inspired that we're in business with and collaborating with these kind of artists, you know, directors like Jonas and Flea or Neil on um, The Long Goodbye. Do you have a process or a, a plan for how you work through what is a good story? Yeah, I guess we have certain like mantras that we keep coming back to. One of them is go left, left-handed films. That's our mantra. And, and that means tell stories that we haven't heard before. And the second thing is tell them in a way that we haven't seen before. You know, it's got to be both, I think. Your wife is a writer, right? She is a novelist, yeah. So do you come at stories from the same place? Yeah, it's kind of amazing to be able to talk about story with someone who's just so committed to it as a kind of spiritual endeavor. You know, she's really helped me formulate this idea of story as a kind of body swap technology. It literally places you inside someone else's perspective and experience. Because it's able to do that, because you can watch the screen and suddenly be in tears and go, oh my God, I am Dame Judy Dench. That's me. That kind of shows you that underneath the illusion of separateness, there is one common well of emotion that we all draw from. We are one. Story only works if at our core we are one. If my pain feels the same as your pain. And so kind of underpinning story is this profound spiritual truth. And suddenly then telling stories becomes a spiritual calling, drawing our attention to our oneness, our commonality, you know, giving people these kind of acid trip experiences of living in someone else's body. It suddenly becomes a shamanic exercise, quite literally, vision questing into different lives so you can learn more about yourself, which is also them, which is all one. Riz Ahmed, thanks for being here. And that's our episode for today. Thank you to Riz Ahmed and to the Academy because we all know Riz should win those Oscars, right? Speaking of which, just in case I don't get to give a speech, our involvement with The Long Goodbye wouldn't be possible without Neve Byrne, Caroline Reason, Holly Fraser, Leonora's Chance, Anna Matrusula, Harris Elliott and the whole We Present team. Having been nominated for an Oscar, we're feeling pretty generous. So if you don't have a WeTransfer Pro account, we'd like to give you one. Well, at least a few of you. So you should check out we.tl forward slash Riz. That's we.tl forward slash Riz. You'll get a free WeTransfer Pro account. It's our gift to you as listeners. And if we run out, don't worry, there'll be more next week. Influence is hosted by me, Damien Bradfield. Our producer is the incredible Rachel Swaby with editing from Audrey No and Elise Hugh and sound engineering by Mark Bush. 
Our WeTransfer creative producer is Kiara O'Shea, and you can find Influence on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you're enjoying the show, please follow us, rate us, leave us a review. It makes a huge difference. Influence is a podcast from WeTransfer produced in association with Reasonable Volume. See you next time. <laughs>